0: The Bible. To Christians, it's the most important book in the world. Really, it's a library of books, 66 to be exact, written by about 40 authors in total, most of whom didn't know each other over a period of about a millennium and a half. But what really makes the Bible amazing is the way that it tells a single unified story. The story of God's creation, man's fall, Christ's redemption, and the coming restoration of all things. This is a story that comes with a message, the death, burial, and resurrection, and reign of Jesus Christ, and that everyone who repents and believes in him will be saved. This is the most important message in the world, and when you believe it, it directs your entire life. But of course, many don't believe the Bible and its message. As a matter of fact, here in the United States, our situation is dramatic. According to Barna Research, in 2018, just 9% of Americans had a worldview that was fully directed by the Bible. And in 2019, the number dropped down to just 5%. You may think of America as largely a Christian nation, and a lot of um, people outside the United States tend to think of America that way. But in reality, that's not the case. Over 200 million Americans, about half, actually more than half, are completely unchurched. The U.S. is currently the fourth largest unchurched nation in the world. 2.7 million people. Leave the church every year. And as a matter of fact, there are 10 states where 96% of the population are unreached and unchurched. 10 states where 96% of the population are both unreached and unchurched. All this means that we are surrounded by neighbors who don't believe the Bible. And that means they don't know Jesus. Now, without Jesus, as a Christian, I have to affirm that these people, our neighbors, are dead in their trespasses and sins. They are children of wrath, far off from God and his people, according to Ephesians 2.1, Ephesians 2.3, and 2.13. Unless they believe in Jesus, they will die in their sins. That's what Jesus says in John 8.24. Now, what this means is that the vast majority of our neighbors are in this condition, Their situation is desperate, and by God's grace, this must change. And I believe that we have been sent by God specifically to help bring about that change. That is what we're talking about on today's episode of the Think Podcast. I'm glad that you're with us. I'm glad that you're joining us, and I know today's episode is going to make you think. My name is Joel Sedicase. In 2009, I left my job in the business world to teach Bible at a Christian high school in Chicago. Impacted by my students' questions, I set out on a journey that brought me first to seminary to study apologetics and philosophy of religion, and then into pastoral ministry. As a pastor, I saw firsthand the struggle of believers confronted with questions of life that at first seemed impossible to answer, and the powerful confidence that came when they saw how God's Word gives the answers and guidance they needed. I had a dream to spread that message and equip more followers of Jesus, so my family and I joined crew and launched the Think. Institute. Now I'm on a mission to equip believers to explain, share, and defend the Christian message by applying timeless biblical truths to current cultural challenges. I don't have all the answers, but I'm determined to find them. And through this show, I'm reporting back to you, the Think Squad, what I discover. Welcome to the Think Podcast. Really quickly before we start, learning how to interpret all of life through the lens of God's Word takes a lot of work, more than just one or two podcast episodes a week. If you have an interest in the intersection between the biblical worldview and biblical manhood and current events, as I do, as well as philosophy, theology, and many, many leather bound books, consider joining our free online community, the Think Squad Group, on Facebook, Gab, And on Signal. There you can join hundreds of other Christ followers who are also on the same journey and we trade apologetic stories and strategies. We discuss philosophy and theological questions. It's like a huge bull session around a bonfire in your backyard or at your favorite cigar lounge. So check out the Think Squad group on Facebook, Gab, and Signal. Now the Bible tells us that Jesus commissioned us, commissioned his disciples to go out into all the world and make disciples, followers of Jesus, as recorded in Matthew 28, 19 in the Bible. Now, in order to make disciples, we need to bring our neighbors the message of the gospel and the biblical worldview. We need to bring this to them. And when we bring this to them, it will surprise none of you that there will oftentimes be pushback. Our neighbors will often ask questions and raise challenges to the Christian message. And when that happens, we need to be ready to engage in apologetics. What is apologetics? Apologetics is the discipline of defending the truth of the Christian message. It comes from the Greek word apologia, which means a reasoned defense. So my big idea in this episode, is that when we give a reasoned defense, when we engage in apologetics, it must start with God's Word. The big idea is this. Apologetics begins with the Bible. Apologetics begins with the Bible. Now, there is an enormous need for evangelism today in the United States. I just shared those stats with you from Barna Research, and all this means that there is a tremendous need for Christians to give a reasoned defense. When we share the gospel, when we get pushback, we need to be ready to give a defense, an answer to anyone who asks us for the reason for the hope that we have. That means we must be skilled in apologetics. So how ready do you personally feel right now to engage in apologetics? Think about it. All right, let's say one day you decide that you're going to share the message of the Bible, the Christian message with your neighbor. And he says, he's not a Christian, but he will believe in Jesus. If you can prove that God is real, that God exists. Here's the catch. He says, you can't use the Bible to do so because he doesn't believe in it. What do you do? So what's going on here is that your neighbor has different presuppositions, different starting assumptions than you do. As a Christian, your basic presupposition is that God is there and that the Bible is true. Of course, your neighbor doesn't share those presuppositions. What God has revealed to us in the Bible about himself and reality and ourselves, these are the the basic beliefs that form our worldview. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, according to Psalm 119 105. It's through the Bible that we interpret all of life. And that means it's through the Bible that we must interpret even our encounters in apologetics. Second Timothy 3:16 and 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, Every good work has to include sharing the gospel and defending the Christian message. This means that the truth of the Bible is not a conclusion that we're working towards from some neutral, non-biblical foundation. The truth of the Bible is our starting presupposition. So your neighbor is asking you to abandon that presupposition and to choose a different starting point and prove God's existence to him on his terms. What I want to persuade you of today is this. Don't do it. Yes, you should seek to sharpen your skill in defending what you believe, but no, you should not abandon that belief in order to defend it. So, My big idea again today is that apologetics begins with the Bible. Apologetics must begin with the Bible. In the time we have left, I want to tell you about three things. Two ways of doing apologetics, which way is better, and one practical step that you can take today to improve your apologetics. Now, if you're watching live, you can comment below this video on Facebook or on YouTube, and I will be answering your questions at the end after we do our outro for the episode. If you're watching on Facebook, you may need to enter your permissions, and by doing that, you can simply go to streamyard.com slash Facebook, and that'll enter your permissions and allow you to leave comments, which I will then answer at the end. All right, there are two ways of doing apologetics, and I call these skeptic first and scripture first. Let's talk about skeptic first methods. Now, skeptic first methods begin with the unbeliever or the skeptic. Skeptic just means doubter. In this approach, you you take his or her claims and you act as if they are true. You take them at face value. So the unbeliever says, I don't believe the Bible, so you can't use it in your argument. You have to find neutral ground we can both agree on. So, in this first kind of apologetics, skeptic first method, that's what you attempt to do. And here's how this often plays out. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Step one, the unbeliever says he needs scientific evidence in order to believe in God. You ever been told that? All right. Step two, you believe him. Step three, you go and you research the evidence. You've taken his claims at face value. Now you're going to look for scientific evidence. Now as a Christian, you might enjoy this. I know I love science. I love the scientific evidence for God because I'm a Christian. I believe in in the scientific evidence for God. Step four, you present the evidence. Step five, he interprets the evidence through his unbelieving worldview and remains unconvinced. Step six, repeat ad nauseum. That's the skeptic-first method. That's the cycle of the skeptic-first method. Let's talk about the scripture-first method then. In a scripture-first approach to apologetics, you begin with scripture. You begin with the Bible. You take the teachings of God's Word, and you act as if they are prima facie true, which they, of course, are. They are true, even if they contradict what your discussion partner is telling you. In this way of apologetics, you let scripture tell you what is true about the unbeliever, his challenges, what he already knows, and the whole conversation. And you view the whole conversation through the lens of scripture. So when Proverbs 1, seven says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, that tells you something really important. It tells you about your discussion partner's situation. Romans 1.19 and 20 says that God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. That tells you something about his situation as well, doesn't it? Even if he disagrees, Scripture, not the skeptic, must be our starting point, and it is the starting point for Scripture-first apologetics. So here are some examples of apologetics that can be classified as skeptic-first. Classical apologetics, which uses reason to show that Christianity is reasonable. Evidentialist apologetics, which uses evidence to show that Christianity is probable. And existentialist apologetics, which uses emotion to show that Christianity is satisfying. Those are what we call skeptic-first approaches to apologetics. On the other hand, there is presuppositional apologetics. Presuppositionalism, or presup, or if you're really cool, hashtag presup, is a scripture-first method. It uses scripture to show that Christianity is Absolutely true by addressing those starting presuppositions and showing that only that they only make sense if the Bible is true. So presup shows that the Christian message is inescapable. In fact, presuppositionalism shows that reason, evidence, and emotion only make sense in the Christian worldview. so You've got skeptic first, and you've got scripture first apologetics. Which way is better? Which one is better? Well, because the Bible is our foundation, that means that there is nothing more fundamental than the Bible. There is nothing more basic to which we can appeal when we're proving the truth of the Bible, for example, that God is real. And if you think about it, this makes perfect sense. If someone asks us to give a reason for our belief in the Bible or It's truth claims. And we say, well, I believe it based on such and such evidence. What are we really saying about our foundation? We're saying our foundation is the evidence upon which our belief is truly based. Or if we say, I know the biblical worldview is true because of my reasoning, the thinking and judging of my mind, then what we're really saying is that our own reasoning is our foundation. Now, evidence reasoning, both of these are good. I'm not negating them. But if we make either one of them our ultimate foundation, that poses a major problem because man's reasoning, whether it's reasoning about our reasoning or reasoning about the evidence, isn't the standard. I'll say that again. Man's reason isn't the standard. Romans 3.4 says, let God be true and every man a liar. Reason and evidence are important, but they aren't the foundation of our faith. Real biblical faith is the foundation for our trust in God and in both reason and evidence as well. So all this means, no surprise, that the Scripture-first method is better. When you engage in apologetics, you have to use Scripture. Scripture— When you start with scripture, it will shape the way you view the entire encounter. God's word is your foundation. It's also your double-edged sword in cutting through falsehood and doubt, Hebrews 4.12. Now, the unbeliever would like you to abandon your foundation in order to reason like him. However, if we're going to defend the Christian message, then we can't abandon our foundation in order to do so. So we've talked about why you should learn apologetics. We've talked about the need, and we've talked about the two ways of doing it, and we've also talked about which way is better. Now let's talk about, let me give you one practical step that you can start doing today in order to improve your apologetic. All right, you ready for it? Here it is. Study your Bible. I know that sounds overly simple almost simplistic and it is simple but incredibly powerful if you're convinced that what america needs is more disciple makers or if you're listening from canada or the uk if you're convinced or, or another nation that if you're convinced that what your nation and your society needs is more disciple makers and you want to share and defend the christian message with your neighbors then you need to study what the bible says. You need to study what the Bible says about Scripture itself and about evil in the world and about morality. So when I say study your Bible, I'm not just saying, you know, do your daily devotions, although you should. I'm giving you three categories where you can begin to study Scripture or continue studying Scripture in a focused way that will help you with your apologetics. I'll say them again. Study what the Bible says about Scripture itself, about evil in the world, and about morality, right and wrong. Start there, make a list of Bible verses on those three topics, and as you come across them during your morning devotionals, uh, set aside some attention to focus on on the scriptural teachings there. Set aside some time after the kids go to bed for deeper study. If you don't have kids, set aside some some time before you go to bed. After you dig into these three categories about scripture itself, evil in the world, morality. Add a couple of more. Um, Start to look into uh, what the Bible says about mankind and about God's sovereignty and creation. But if you can get really sharp at explaining what the Bible teaches in a few key areas, your apologetic skills are going to grow by leaps and bounds very quickly and you're going to be ready to handle the vast majority of challenges to faith that you encounter. If you've ever listened to any of my apologetics AMAs that I do on the Discord app, the vast majority of the questions I get fall into morality, evil in the world, and Scripture itself, as well as God's sovereignty, creation, um, the nature of man, things like that. If you can If you can master what the Bible says about those topics, you will advance your apologetics dramatically. Many, many of the objections that you face, the challenges that you face have to do with these key areas. There are other categories to research in the Bible, but the important thing is this, study your Bible. Start studying right now. When can you take some extra time to do this? See how God rewards you for it and uses that time to prepare you. And you might say, well, yeah, but I'm not educated in um, biblical hermeneutics and and theology. Um, Look, even the apostles, the Bible says, were uneducated, common men, but they were able to speak great things for the Lord because they had spent time with Jesus, Acts uh, Acts 4.13. You can spend time with Jesus by studying his word. All right, now, at this point, someone might push back. They might say, look, Joel, I share my faith, but I don't need apologetics. I need evangelism. I can leave the apologetics to the debaters, the philosophers, the pastors. And I get it. Sometimes we reason this way because apologetics can be scary, it seems. Somehow it seems separate from the other aspects of the Christian life. It seems separate from evangelism. But you know what? It's very unfortunate that so many people think of apologetics and evangelism as separate disciplines. They really aren't. And if you believe that you're called to share the gospel, you need to believe that you are also called to defend it. The two work hand in hand. As I often say, apologetics must serve our evangelism. 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25 says this, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. So Paul says that our apologetics may very well be the thing that the Lord uses to bring someone, maybe even someone we care about, to repentance and knowledge of the truth. In other words, to salvation. So if you're afraid of apologetics, there is no need to be afraid. God is the one who does the work. Now, apologetics, I'll say it again, must serve, should serve our evangelism. Every follower of Jesus needs to be able to share the gospel and defend it because every person needs to hear the gospel call. And you can find your place in God's story, creation, fall, redemption, restoration, by honing your skill at sharing and defending what you believe every christian should be ready to do what the apostle peter says to do in first peter 3 15 to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you this command is for every christian and in case you didn't notice it says nothing about philosophers and debaters and pastors so to conclude now you have a practical step that you can do today to grow in your apologetic I hope you've seen why it's important not to abandon the Bible in order to defend it. And I hope that you've become convinced that apologetics begins with the Bible. Maybe you've even been hit by a desire to learn more about how to use the Bible in your apologetics. This is a skill that we need, and we're going to need all the more. We're going to need to grow in this skill, given the great need to disciple our nation today. Given the great need for disciple making in our communities. If you'd like to know more, you can let me know. And that is a conversation I would love to have with you. You can get in touch with me by going to uh, by emailing thethink.institute at gmail.com. And if you'd like to bring me to your church or your group or your event, you can go to thethink.institute slash booking. The Bible is God's word. It contains the true message of eternal life and it's the most important message we can ever bring to our neighbors may god give us grace as we seek to study share and defend that message now let's move on to our q a time all right the first one i have not screened these in advance. The first one is coming from hmm, David Chu. David Chu? Is that like Pikachu, but David? Uh, David Chu is coming in from Canada. David Chu, thanks so much for watching. And here's what you have to say. We must begin with the Bible because it's the foundation of our most basic beliefs, our presuppositions. Also, our starting point must have an inbuilt authority from which everything else depends on. The best way to do apologetics is the one that follows the standard of the Bible, which presuppositionalism does well. We can also memorize key verses that place the foundation of our epistemology. And one more crucial step is to practice with people. The church needs to engage non-Christians in conversations with the Bible— it's a task for everyone. David Chu, that's not a question, but I have to say, um, I fully agree. You're absolutely right. Practicing is a very important way to hone your apologetic skill. I actually teach an apologetics course to a classroom full of 8th through 12th graders once a week. And um, not only do I have a lot of fun, but they have a lot of fun learning. And what they love the most is practicing debating with one another uh, one person will play the defender. The other person will play the, um, the uh, what would you call it, the challenger, and they'll handle apologetics uh, arguments and challenges in real time, and they love it. I love it. I get to do a little coaching with that. Um, if that sort of thing does interest you, you should know I'm currently developing an apologetics curriculum for eighth through 12th graders for use in homeschool co-ops. And eventually, we will broaden that out, tailor it for homeschool families to use in home and to use in Sunday schools and Christian schools as well. So if that's the kind of thing that interests you, you're going to want to stay tuned to the work that we're doing with the Think Institute. And um, if you want to know more about that, you can subscribe to our uh, Think Update emails, and let me give you the address for the Think Update emails. You can go to thethink.institute slash think-updates. thethink.institute slash think-updates. And that will give you the latest updates the latest emails as we are developing this curriculum and i also send out updates and lessons from the biblical worldview course that i'm teaching and uh, other resources tips and and um, tools to help you defend your faith okay next question comes again from david Chu. how should we deal with the book tactics you know That's a great question. I actually have that book on my shelf right over here. You can't see it, but I've got another shelf there and another three shelf, four shelves over here. And um, that book, I actually just read recently. I'd never read it before. I know I'm way behind the times. I have to tell you, David Chu, I really enjoyed the book Tactics. And um, I want to read you the review that I wrote for it. If you're... Um, if you're into books like I am if you go uh, if you want to see the books that I've been reading you can go to thethink.institute/book-register or just go to thethink.institute and um and uh, and pull that up but um search for the book register and so here's what I said about tactics tactics a game plan for discussing your christian convictions updated and expanded By Gregory Kokol. My concerns that this would be A, gimmicky, or B, anti presuppositional were allayed. He draws extensively from Francis Schaeffer, and this is a must read for every Christian apologist, nay, every Christian. So I actually did not find anything in the book that I thought went against um, presuppositionalism, biblical presuppositionalism, or um, what we call a scripture first methodology. It's more, it, it is literally tactics. Um, I think that it's very compatible with the biblical worldview and the scripture first approach to apologetics. So I enjoyed it. I don't know if you feel the same way, David, you, but, um, f- feel free to let me know. Okay. That about wraps it up for this episode. The Think podcast is a production of the Think Institute and is produced by yours truly, Joel Sedicase. The Think Institute operates under church movements, a ministry of crew under the division of crew city. To learn about how to support the Think Institute and my family tax free, go to thethink.institute/partner. I hope you heard something helpful today. I know I did. Remember, this is not goodbye. This has just been a short stop on the journey as we learn to lead our families in defending the Christian message, and we'll see you next time. Until then, I hope it made you think.